Time now for the Off Day Podcast with Andy Hart and Chris Scheim on WEEI.com. Back for another Off Day Off-Season Podcast. Chris Scheim and myself, Andy Hart. We are in the combine phase of the off-season, even though I'm not there for the first time in like 20 years, sadly. You even went last year? Well, there wasn't one last year. The last time there was a combine, I was there. Okay. Ryan Hannibal and I, just before the pandemic... I kind of think I got COVID and had COVID way back then traveling at that point. (laughs) But um, that's a different topic for a different day. I'm I'm kind of uh, having withdrawals a little bit. No St. Elmo's shrimp cocktail and steak this year as I have uh, grown accustomed to this time of year. Yeah, it's sad. But is what it is. We all got to do what we got to do. So, yeah, let's jump right into the Patriots offseason. And the topic that won't go away, although it sounds like maybe he will go away, is J.C. Jackson. And I don't know if you noticed, Chris Scheim, in your duties as a morning show producer, keeping your finger on the pulse, that there was sort of a shift this weekend, and it certainly felt like uh, birdies were whispering, the wind was talking, and all of a sudden, a bunch of Patriots reporters were like, yeah, I think J.C.'s gone. Yeah, no, I don't think that. He's not that good, you know. He's he Teams aren't even afraid of him. I heard Tom Curran say you can throw right at him. Occasionally he makes you. There's been this shift, like all of a sudden J.C.'s gone and he's not really that good. Um, so I assume that was whispered out from the organization. But what are your thoughts on, on that possibility that J.C. is just going to walk? Before walk, I get to my walk. thoughts, I need to ask a question. Are we allowed to swear on this podcast? We are. Okay, I'm going to keep it nice and simple. Uh, parents, if your kids are uh, in the car, uh, just or just turn the volume down for five seconds. Ready? Uh, because my answer to that, Andy, is that's a whole lot of bullshit. That's what I think about this. I think that's a lot of BS. It's a lot of crapola. I, I think I think they are just they are just weaving stories now. I just I don't. I think a lot of teams are scared of J.C. Jackson because I know I would be if I was on the other team because you want to know what? You don't give a guy a name called Mr. Interception if you're not going to be afraid of, I don't know, him intercepting the football. Uh, And on top of that, he's a very good cover corner. Alas, of course, we all know his kryptonite is Stephon Diggs. I get that. But that's why I think you can get him at a bit of a discount if you're the New England Patriots because you can bring that up. And in every other scenario, I want J.C. Jackson on my team over just about uh, 99% of the other corners in football. So, with that being said, I think it's a whole lot of hooey that people are just saying, nah, the Patriots are just going to let him walk. Especially because now, not to uh, spill our hand too early here, but uh, now that there's whispers of the Patriots talking to receivers at the Combine, the Andy Hart theory of draft a, draft a stud and sign J.C. Jackson, oh baby, does it all does it all just work right out? It looks pretty nice. Now, I will say, well, first of all, this feels like a smear campaign. Usually yes. they wait till after the guy leaves. They're getting a, a head start, jump start on the smear campaign this time, telling me how he's not that good and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I, I don't think he's great, but for the relative period of time in which he's playing in the National Football League, I think he's a good to very good cornerback. Agreed. And, like, I mean, you can parse things. They did this. This started – you know, the first real example I learned of this covering this team was Lawyer Malloy when all these whispers, well, you know, he hasn't had a forced fumble in two years and he hasn't put up crooked numbers and this and that. And it's like, oh, so we're doing that? We're going to say he's just not that good? Why don't you just tell me you can't afford to sign him or it's business? Like, why do we have to tear the guy down? Um, so it feels like that. I know even our guy, Lou Merloney, on the Merloney and Fourier show went back and he was uh, tabulating all the interceptions that came at the hands of you know, uh, Sam Darnold, Zach Wilson, I forgot, Mike so White. Why, why do we do this? What, what are we doing? Why are we doing that for him, but nobody did that for Trayvon Diggs? That's that's my thing. I understand it being in the Boston market. You want to go back and critique J.C. Jackson because he's probably going to leave because he's going to get paid too much money. But from a national perspective, nobody else on planet Earth outside of Boston cares who we pick the ball off. They just care about the number and the box score. Right. That's literally all anybody looks at which in my mind is stupid, but regardless is the fact. And now we're tearing him down, and you're right. You know, that's sort of, uh, you need to do that across the board if you're going to do that. Like, if you bring in a pass rusher and he has X number of sacks, I want to see who they came against, you know, bad backup left tackle, all those things. Usually we just say, wow, the guy had 12 sacks. That's a good number in the NFL these days. Would you Um, like my running theory on this? Bit of a conspiracy theory, if you will. Yes, conspiracy for you. 
What do you got? Uh, my theory is is that Tom Kern was specifically given this information, and I'm pointing him out because he's been seems to be the most vocal about it. He said it just yesterday on Gresham Keith. Yep. Uh, Tom Kern was specifically fed this information by someone in the Bill Belichick camp, mm-hmm. uh, and that is because Bill Belichick very much wants to sign J.C. Jackson, mm-hmm. but believes the price is uh, probably a little too high. And so by smearing him right now in the media, uh, he may be driving the price down a little bit, at least in his mind. And so he can come in with a lower contract, being like, look, all these people are telling you, like, you're not that good. You're just not that good. And people are going to start pulling stupid stats to try and speculate that J.C. Jackson isn't good when we all know he's very good. So the man who's chasing Don Shula's record may be taking a page out of the old Don Shula playbook, if you believe the conspiracy theories of the Dolphins and Don Shula leaking drug um, concerns to Dan Marino and then therefore taking Dan Marino and having their quarterback for the next two decades. I don't hate it. I don't hate the idea because, you know, this is business and business is dirty. And I will say I'm not reporting anything here. Just telling you what I've heard sort of second and third hand that as much as JC said on the record to Phil Perry, oh, I'll play for the franchise tag and I blah, blah, blah. Um, he looking to get paid, and he looking to get paid north of Jalen Ramsey. Like, he wants oh, to talk really? $100 million money. And if that's true, I think Bill would definitely try to knock that number down. Now, I, I don't really think J.C. Jackson's going to get that money from no, anyone. No, I don't think anybody's going to be able to, especially this year. If he was to hit free agency next year, I would say that money is in play. But because the cap has not exploded yet, they're still suffering from the COVID cap. Uh, and it's so it's a little restrictive this ye- season. I just don't think he's going to make that much. But in a normal season, he would be the top corner on a free agent market that would be getting a crap load of money. And we, we do always, it only takes one. So it only yep. takes one Jaguars team to say, yeah, J.C. Jackson's the best corner in football. We need a playmaking corner because we're trying to build, you know, our team and we think Lawrence is going to have a bounce back year and we got a new coach. It only takes one to say, I'll give you five years, $105 million, $21 million a year for with sure. 60. Um, but I, I'm with you. I tend to believe it's going to come in south of Jalen Ramsey money, uh, more in that 85 to 90, maybe 80 to $89 million range. Um, so I, I do think it's interesting, your conspiracy theory, that the, the smear campaign that started early is actually a, a device being put to use by Bill Belichick, the wily old veteran to try to uh, get him back. Because I do think, and I I continue to ask this, I know I asked you this last week, I asked Lou this, like, part of this factor here, too, is not only what you think J.C. Jackson is, but also how you come to grips with the fact that if you don't have J.C. Jackson, what the hell are you doing at the cornerback position in New England? Exactly. And and it's not like... It's not like you can just let him walk and there's going to be a stud corner sitting for you there at 21 in the draft either. Right. There is... There's no Patrick Sertan II going to be there for you at 21. I'm sorry. It's not going to happen, um, especially in a season like this. And I don't know if I necessarily trust Belichick to find the right cornerback, at least in the first two rounds of the draft. I no think question. he has a good sense of identifying actual NFL corner talent, but that's generally on the free agent market. So the only thought in my head is, is he's okay with J.C. Jackson walking because he thinks, I don't know, Carlton Davis is better than the market will dictate. I don't think that's the case, but I think that's the only logical reason Belichick would just openly let J.C. Jackson walk. It's a dangerous game to play, and as I told 100%. Lou Merloni yesterday, you know, he says, well, you, you know, you, you got so many other holes. You're not a contender this year. You, you know, it's a multi-step process, so next year or the year after, Bill just goes and gets a corner. Yeah, but J.C. Jackson okay. would be on your roster anyways. If you well, sign him a deal, he's if on I your roster five for four deal, years. Five he's years. in year two or year three. Exactly. Hit the prime of his career at 27, 28, 29 years old, whatever it is. And we've seen the times when Bill's had to scramble. Now, sometimes he's gotten the guy. He's brought in a Darrell Revis. He's brought in a midseason Aqib Tlaib trade. He brought in Stephon Gilmore. He brought in Steph- – well, but it cost you. True. Like, that's where, like, you're going to pay to get it somehow. First yep. round One pick, way or another. It's very unlikely you're going to find this, you know, elite number one cornerback at bargain basement value somehow. It just it doesn't happen. There's not enough of them to go around right now. So, okay, that's our update on the J.C. Jackson situation. The tide has turned in the media, led by Tom Curran, and apparently we are now uh, taking pot shots at J.C. Jackson and starting to pave the way for him out of town. But as Scheim says, maybe you're actually trying to pave the way for a re-signing. Hell it's yeah, genius! No one will ever see it coming. <laughs> um, I did want to talk about, because I said wily old veteran Bill Belichick in your conspiracy theory. 
Uh, touch on something real quick that popped up that actually didn't even put on my rundown, but this idea via Ben Volan's Sunday Notes, via Playmakers, the forthcoming book from Mike Florio, that Florio writes apparently that once upon a time Robert Kraft told him he wants Bill Belichick to coach well into his 80s like Warren Buffett. And we all know Bill's about to turn 70 next month. What are your thoughts on Bill Belichick coaching the Patriots or working for the Patriots? I'll even say working for. Maybe he's just the president of the Patriots at, I don't know, 80, 82, I, 85. Okay, I'm going to answer your question with a can, uh, question. Um, how many guys over the age of, let's use 78, are still still have their fastball? None. Yeah, that's what I thought. Can I ask you a question that Lou and Christian got uncomfortable with when I asked it on their show yesterday? Please. You think there's a better chance that at the age of 85, Bill Belichick is running the Patriots or is dead? I I mean, that statistically speaking, he might have uh, met his end. It's nothing personal. No, I'm it's, not, it's, I'm not wishing him ill. No, no, no. I completely understand where the question is coming from. Is it unco- uncomfortable? Sure. But I, I understand the scope of the question. The I did a quick Google. The average life expectancy for a United States male, 76 years old. Yep. So you'll be nine years past that. And he's worked his entire life in a high-stress profession. I'm not saying he's in the best shape in the world. He's not in the worst shape in the world. He's probably average shape for an aging man. But I just think to say... You have some 5, 10, 15-year plan of Bill Belichick running the Patriots. It, it just seems ridiculous to me. Like, almost laughable. And I almost wonder, you know, if I say, Shime, I'm going to kill you. I don't actually mean I'm going to kill you. No. Like, there's these things we say that are just, like, exaggerations. Like, Rich Keefe has once said he wants to put his hands around my neck. But that's, right. not, that's not because well, he hate. It's not because he wants me dead. It's because he hated our discussion about decades. And that's I okay. I think at that time, had you actually been in the same room, he may have put his hands around there's, your neck. There's so that, that chance. That's a bad example. <laughs> um, but I just wonder if Kraft, you know, I, I want Bill to be around till his mid-80s, like Warren Buffett. Like, you say it, you don't really think, like, no. it's going to be true. And if he's so, in the front office, great, good for him. But I just, I don't think you can keep coaching until you're 80. I just I don't, don't think either. you can do it. Between the just the normal wear and tear of the job and the responsibilities and the fact that he's not just the coach, he's the coach and GM, and right now he's the coach, GM, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, and basically special teams coordinator. Like, I just don't think you can, I don't think that's feasible. I don't think that's realistic to ask someone to do. I, I don't either. And, and I can't. He's almost admitted, and we've seen examples of him slowing down a bit in recent years. Not a ton, mm-hmm. but maybe taking a few more liberties with a trip here to Nantucket, a trip there to Nantucket, maybe getting out of the to office. To the Bahamas. Little, to the Bahamas, whatever. So I just, what's that going to be like in five more years? Exactly. More, like, there's a reason no one really does it. And and, and most people don't even want to do it at that right. point in their lives. They're just like, yeah, I just I want to be done. Now, he may be different. Maybe he wants to do it. Maybe he's capable. Maybe he's the outlier. Maybe he's the sure. Tom Brady of coaching. Of and if GMing. he is, good for him. Right. Uh, I'm just not sure it will play out well. I and I don't think you can bank on that either. No, no. I certainly would not be banking on that. Okay. One thing we can bank on in these parts is Mac Jones not being a very good interview if he's an interview at all. And I wanted to touch mm-hmm. on that because I know you have some personal insight with our uh, starting quarterback slash weekly in-season guest on Merloni and Fourier. He is a member of the Patriots. They're a corporate partner at uh, WEEI, so we're not going to shred him or them necessarily. But were (laughs) were you guys were led to believe you might speak with Mac yesterday, correct? That is uh, correct. uh, What is it? Shaving for saving? Saving by shaving? um, Event. And that never came to fruition. Speak about it. Well, I mean, all day we were kind of told that we'd have the opportunity to talk to Mac, even if it was just for five minutes. Um, we were in the middle of talking to Kyle Van Noy. They showed up. First of all, both of them showed up late. Um, but, you know, that's it is what it is. They're professional football players. They can kind of yeah. come and go as they please. Um, so we interviewed Kyle Van Noy after our show was over, recorded it so we could play it back today. And, um, and we're supposed to get Mac Jones. But Mac Jones came in. Um, somewhere in the middle of our interview with Kyle Van Noy, uh, was introduced, took a couple pictures. Uh, I think it was like about ten pictures, and then was gone. He he did no, he did literally zero media anything with anybody. Mm-hmm. And, and Greg even said this morning we're not necessarily technically the media, 
But even the actual media, like reporters, he didn't speak to. He came in, he took his pictures, and he was out. That's it. That's all he did. And I will say that is strange at a charity event because... Eh, very much so. Generally, the celebrities are there to talk, take pictures, create more interest in the event, You know, bring notoriety to the event, help uh, raise the awareness, money, whatever's going on. Uh, and this is an event to, to uh, support Boston Children's Hospital. And I just found it interesting that he was kind of a quick hit in and out. Didn't shave his head, correct? Unlike correct. His teammates, Van Oy and David Andrews, shaved their head. Very much so. And Greg Hill, I believe, right? Yep, that is correct. I would so, have if I was present there, but I was back here at the studio. So this is a um, this is a continuation of what I'll say. Not a huge deal, but just a continuation of a strange um, y- year year plus of Mac Jones. Do you think it was under, an edict? From hundred uh, percent. Uh, my guess would be. Let me let me just guess here. Okay, speculation. My guess like is it. he got some crap for how high profile he was at the Pro Bowl and the Super Bowl. And because of that is the phrase I continue to use, much like I thought he was every week with Fourier and Merloni, scared douchey again. Mm-hmm. And he got scared. I, I think he probably heard about the no bull media tour that he did. Um, I think he probably heard about maybe being a little too uppity and starry or whatever you want to call it at the Pro Bowl with the giddy and the mic'd up and every, oh, he was the star and stole the show. I don't think they want him stealing shows. I think they want him to be the humble, hardworking, aw shucks, quiet, shut your mouth, be seen and not heard, uh, second-year quarterback. And my guess is, in their eyes, he's still a rookie, that he hasn't reached, you know. They still have the reins on him. Like, it's it's no question. And a total side note here, but credit to Kyle Van Noy, who is very, very generous with his time. And also a great, he seems like a great guy. Great interview. Uh, was very open, gave us a lot of information. He talked about Belichick being the one. Um, he's just he's like, you know, it's Bill. Like when you walk in that right. building, like you know who's in charge. It's not. There's no hesitation. Like sure, there may not be a, an offensive or defensive coordinator, but you know who's in charge. Belichick was calling a lot of the plays last year uh, on on the defense. He told us that. He talked about Mac Jones and and Wiggy's comments about Mac maybe being close to a ceiling. And he's like, you know, everybody's open to their own opinions. I think that's kind of ridiculous. I think that's kind of you know out there, but everybody's open to their opinions, and so it's so it's it's crazy to me. Um, and, and I mean, it just shows you the difference between a Patriots veteran who they trust won't say anything too stupid or ridiculous, right? And a rookie who they're like, no, no, no. You you walk in, you you show that you were there, you showed up, and then you leave. And a veteran who. Some people love Kyle Vanoy. Some people question him at times, think yep. he's a little dinky himself. But he knows how the game is played. He has his own charities, his own charitable events. He knows if you want other players to come to yours, you go to others. If you want media to cover yours, you, you need to help this the media This is literally also others. a guy that just had a child a week ago. Right. And But he knows, like, you wash my hand, I'll wash yours. Yep. And he we can it. help each other out. He gets it. It's all part of the business and the game. And I would also say... I'm a little disappointed in the Mac thing just because I thought right after the loss in Buffalo, he was a different-sounding player in the post-game press conference. I thought he kept alluding to being big brother, not little brother anymore, Ta- you know, leading guys this offseason in the right direction and building and, and feeling like maybe he had a little more ownership of, of the team. You know, I, Wiggy calls him a passenger. Yep. Maybe even he felt like a passenger at times, being told what to do by everybody you know what, now I'm in year two, not my first rodeo, my second rodeo, I'm going to help lead the way here. And then something like this makes me wonder, is he being squashed? And if he is being squashed, does that say anything? Like, does that, in this world of alpha quarterbacks, and there's a fine line, I guess, between alpha and diva, a a line that a lot of these quarterbacks are walking these days, led by maybe Kyler Murray, who's accomplished nothing but thinks he's God's gift to the position, but we can get to that in a different podcast. Yep. is he an alpha? Like, is a true alpha controlled so, the way Mac has been controlled? So I think this situation, uh, and this is, I understand that this is coming from a perpetual Mac Jones hater. I get it. So you can take it with your grain of salt or grains of salt. But a situation like this indicates to me that Mac Jones is not an alpha. He is a beta. He is not 
This is not, I don't care what all the other players say. I don't care the propaganda that's coming out of the locker room about his attitude and all that stuff. I don't buy it. This guy, if you were capable and able to have media appearances, that mean, that shows me the team trusts you, that the, the organization trusts you. He, they don't trust him. They don't. And, and, and that screams bad news to me. And this mm. has nothing to do with his talent. This has absolutely nothing to do with him throwing a football on the field. This is specifically from an attitude perspective. They don't trust him. And that's, mm. that's what this screams to me. If that were coming from someone other than you, I might put some stock in Yeah, if that was coming from <laughs> someone other than myself or Jermaine Wiggins, I bet a lot of people would put stock in that. But um, I, I, And I get it, and you could take it with grains of salt. I'm just calling it how I see it. It's always what I do. It's what I try to always do. Just call it how I see it, and that's just kind of what it indicates to me. And using the popular comparison this offseason, I find it hard to believe Joe Burrow would be squished like this. Because oh, I think Joe Burrow's an alpha, no, a swagger. See, I think Cincinnati does everything they can to get in, get him in front of a camera at the right, right time. Not like over-aggressively, but in certain situations, they want him in because they want that to be their face. They don't want Mac Jones to be the face of the Patriots. Yeah, it's interesting. We'll see where this goes. Um, and, and we may be making more of this than we should. And yes, I know some people are going to say, oh, the media whining again. The poor player won't talk to them or the player doesn't answer. I really don't give a rat's ass. I get no, to talk about Mac Jones no matter what. Yep. I can talk about what he said. I can talk that he didn't say. I'm multiversal, multi-skilled. Multiversal makes no sense. That's idiotic. But I'll be talking about Mac either way. My point is more from a leadership um, sort of trust area. And I'm a little bit with you. Like, if he's so easily controlled or he needs controlling, what is he really? Because you know who couldn't be controlled? Gronk. Yep. Joe Burrow. These true alpha personalities, goats, guys that are truly elite. Even eventually they, Tom Brady could not be controlled. Yeah, I, I would say. Now, eventually is the key part. Correct. Because I think At he was At the very beginning, he was very much controlled. So maybe that's this. Maybe Bill is, is checking his notes, pulling out that notebook from 0102. Oh, yeah. What did I say? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Interesting. I talked to Tom about this in that meeting, and then this is what Tom did. Maybe he's using the exact same playbook for Mac Jones. It was a different time back then. And I also media, think they're two different players. Media. They're two different people. Yep. I, no question. I, I understand that, yeah, it might have worked with Brady, but these guys are different. Like, he already has a brand. Tom Brady did not have some brand that he's out parading around the Super Bowl after his rookie year. Like, even say, after he won the Super Bowl. Tom Brady also had a Super Bowl. Yeah, It's easier exactly. to keep your mouth shut and let your play speak for itself when you let a team to the Super Bowl. In and then did it three or four years as right. a starter. Like, right. so. Mac Jones hasn't even won a playoff game yet. And in that one game, he got absolutely thrashed who a guy they are focusing on putting in front of a camera in Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's, uh, that's just another topic and uh, aspect of the offseason we can keep an eye on with Mac Jones. Um, because he did have some comments with Patriots.com. He did a sit-down interview with them at the uh, at the Super Bowl that was very much sponsored by No Bull, so yep. much so that it, the No Bull t-shirt was there. The No Bull logo was on the screen while Also, you're terrible name, by the way. Not a fan. No Bull? No Bull. I don't like it. That's stupid. Okay. Yeah, especially when I, all he I talks like, about is Bull. I like the idea of Noble, N-O-B-L-E, but I don't like the idea of No Bull, N-O-B-U-L-L. So there you go. That's okay. my thought. Thought that's my thought on branding. They can take it and leave it as they will. Yeah, I didn't. Even, I've, I had never heard of them until Mac got involved. So it's certainly Same. working. True. aligning themselves with Mac because now they're like a Patriot sponsor, a Mac sponsor. They're part of the whole deal. Yeah, well, now, that was very smart to do that for sure. I, I don't know if their stuff's any good. I've never. Neither really, have I. I, have no, I know Mac nothing about it. them. And if they're yeah. a sponsor at the station I work at, then uh, I bet they're great. Yeah, and I'm not going to rip them because I have no knowledge. Maybe yep. they are the next. Yeah, I know big nothing about them. I, I just comment on the name. That's all. And if they were a sponsor of our station, and I thought they sucked, I'd keep my mouth shut because I'm not a moron. <laughs> true. Uh, Very so true. let's move on to uh, the defensive free agents. We started last week. We talked special teams and we talked offense. Now we're going to talk defense. Obviously, we don't need to rehash right now. J.C. Jackson. We are on the record. We would try oh, to. We sign already him talked to about a him. Five year. Yeah, five year <laughs> deal. I want to see him as the cornerback as part of the. The, the skeleton or the structure of a Super Bowl contender in 2023 or 2024, whatever it may be. Um, next on the list, Dante Hightower, your 32-year-old linebacker who has been a key figure on many a Super Bowl teams, but quite honestly, 
in 2021 looked like a guy who'd more than lost a step. I know he had the one glaring uh, Jonathan Taylor should have been there for the tackle, didn't you yep. lose? Season falls apart from there on out. But I thought there were plenty of other opportunities where it almost looked like he was jogging. I don't know if he was jogging. I don't know if that's what running is now. It looks like jogging. Um, I would be an advocate for moving on from Dante Hightower. I, it's it's difficult. Oh, come on. No, I no, want no. a quick opinion, and I want it pointed. I Okay, here's my opinion. I think you keep Dante Hightower. And Why? I think that right now um, you are dealing with a lot of chaos in your coaching staff. Uh, I think he lends to the leadership on the defense. He allows the team to kind of go and continue in the direction they want to go in. I don't think you necessarily have to. Three straight years they've been worse. Yeah, fair. I don't think he necessarily has to play a lot, but I I do still think he's one of the better run-stopping linebackers in football. Now, I don't think. Except I mean, when Jonathan Taylor is running right at him in a league where in a passing league where. <laughs> in a league where passing is king, uh, that tends to to be an issue when you can't pass defend, but you can run defend. Um, but I just I don't know. I guess it all depends on how the Patriots want to play defense, and, and better I better than I, they did against the Bills in December and January. So, would you rather have Dante Hightower, who's clearly lost a step, or Jawan Bentley? Because I'd rather have Hightower, I think, because at least I know Hightower is going to lend to the leadership of the defense, especially for the young guys like Barmore. And I also think that Hightower has the chance to at least like be pushed down to the defensive line. Right? He has that flexibility. We've seen him pass yep. rush before, and on occasional plays, you can send him opposite of Matt Judon. And I think he could do some damage there. So I just think that that little bit, and it's very, very minute amount of versatility in Dante Hightower's game is just better than what Jawan Bentley brings you. He, uh, the, the point you make about him playing on the line, on the end of the line of scrimmage, sort of as a pass rusher, uh, is certainly a valid one because he's done, he's done that going back to Alabama. I mean, exactly. that's been a part of his game. Um, I mean, I'm you look at it up, in the Falcon Super Bowl. That was one of the biggest things. He got to the line of scrimmage, blitzed Matt, Matt Ryan, and got a long third down, took him out of field goal range. So Dante Hightower played 58.76% of the snaps a year ago. So he was just better than a part-time player a year ago. Yep. Right? And that was a year, by the way, coming off a year off, though, right? Yeah, so he should have been fresh. Or he wasn't working out enough. Uh, he should have been fresh. Um, okay, fair. You can go either now, way. Now, com- comparatively, and we will talk about here because you bring up Juwan Bentley, is also a free agent at the age of 25 who has some leadership skills, was a captain in Hightower's absence in the COVID-controlled 2020 season, was a multi-year captain at Purdue. I want to say three years, but at least two years at Purdue in college. So certainly has leadership traits, um, was a... Not a tackle machine, but a a solid tackler last year. I would argue some of those came like five or eight yards downfield, and somebody's going to make tackles every year. So I think that stat gets overrated a little bit. But he played 64.04% of the snaps a year ago. Are you advocating for Dante Hightower to take on even a lesser role than the 58%? Are we talking now a 30 40% playtime? My plan is let Juwan Bentley walk. Uh, I appreciate your time here. Thank you very much for your He's actually service. running. You just can't tell because he's kind of slow. <laughs> there you go. No! Uh, I bring Dante Hightower back on a very cheap contract because, honestly, I don't think anybody else really wants him. Do you um, think he's going to do that? If he wants to play, yeah. Why would he not retire? If you say, listen, Dante, you're not going to play all that much. We're not going to pay all that much. Wouldn't he say, okay, cool, I'll be in Tennessee with my kid and my wife? Why wouldn't he have just done that last year then? Well, because last year he got paid. He made good money last year. Did he? Oh, he did. You want me to look that up? Too? Yeah, I would. I would love that because I think that is part of. I think that becomes part of the conversation. Um, Definitely, because especially because the year before he was already out of football. So, like, if the guy wants to retire, then just effing retire. Stop dilly dallying around. If you want to play football, like, come play for me. I, I think we'll be kind of play you in spots, but I think you have value. Whereas John Bentley, I don't think has a lot of value, and I would rather take my shot at a. Second, third, fourth round linebacker out of some SEC or Big Ten school, and let's just have fun and see what happens. But get me a guy who can run. 
And Dante Hightower had a base salary of $7.85 million last mm-hmm. year, the highest okay. of his last five years. He had a cap number of $12.4 million. He brought in cash last year of $8.6 million, according to our friends over at SpotTrack. Okay, if that's the case... Then yeah, just let them both walk. I'm done with both these guys. <laughs> Screw them both. I don't. I, I want nothing. So like, my thing is, is if J, if for whatever reason Hightower wants to play and wants to come back on cheap money and just play around 50 percent of defensive snaps, maybe a little bit less. Sure, I'm here for it. Let's do it. I, I can I can figure out a way. I, I have ways that I I can get you involved in the defense that I think would benefit us. Other than that, I don't want either of them. I we we're in an age in the NFL where I would rather have five hybrid safeties who can play in the box than have linebackers. Like, I just... And you have a bunch of those guys, which I think is awesome. I think that lends to the Patriots' strengths when you have Duggar and Adrian Phillips and all these guys who can not only play safety and really play free safety or, or strong safety, whatever. I don't, they don't really specify anymore. But they, that you can play safety and then you can also come up into the box and play a linebacker and simulate a blitz package because I think that's one of the things this defense did so well last year was they basically ran these simulated blitzes. It's like a play action on defense where they're going to have – they're four down linemen, and then they're going to have four other guys in the box. One of them is coming, or at least you think one of them is coming, but you have Excuse no me. idea which one, and then the rest of them just drop back into coverage. And you play a lot of zone, and, and they were great at it. That's when they, had, that's when they were at their best. So I, I, just, I would rather find another hybrid safety than keep either of those two guys for a lot of money. Now you will recall, as you're seeking hybrid safeties, which are generally versatile, speedy players, for your second level. You will recall when Gerard Mayo said, uh, I'd rather have the 4-8 guy who knows where he's going and has been playing the, the position a long time than the 4-5 the guy who might take a step in the wrong direction. So you are an advocate for speed yeah, on I, defense. I want athleticism. I, Me too. I understand on offense that you want, like, receiver positions are very hard because people get enamored with the 40 time, and they want you to be fast. They want you to be under that 4-5 range because the faster you are, apparently the better you are. I don't think that's necessarily the case, but I, I on, on defense, I think that's more of the case. I want guys with great three-cone drills. I want guys with... Great 40 times. I want guys who can freaking move. I don't care about the bench press is great. Sure, whatever. I'm more worried about the broad jump, the vert. I, I want to see, see athleticism on defense because I can teach a guy how to read the offense a little bit better. I can't teach a guy how to go from 0 to 60 in, in 2.5. Like, I can't do that. Agreed. So, so I, I think you you just need you need clay on defense, whereas on offense sometimes you need more refined product. You need clay? Yeah, things you can mold. What a dweeb. Oh, come uh, on. That's a great, great reference. Okay, we'll go with it. Who, who has clay anymore? Do people even use clay? Yeah. I guess some artists. Clay makers? How many of those are there around? I don't know. Not many. Okay. But regardless, it's a, it's a great... <laughs> it's great. It's dated. I'm going to move forward with two players, one of whom is on our free agency list. We'll get to him in a second. But one of whom you to- talked to yesterday in Kyle Vinoy. Not a free agent. Yep. But is a consideration by Pat's cap and others who have sort of stolen Pat's cap's work. Um, he put it on. He put a spreadsheet on the internet, and then I was reading everybody else blog about it, and I'm not sure they were all attributing our friend Pat's cap. But he put out there, you know, Vanoy is one of those moves you could save some money. I think it's like four million dollars uh, against the cap. He would instead of a seven million dollar cap hit, it would be down to like three in dead money. Is Kyle Vanoy? Part of the future, the present, the past. Would you move on from him, even though he's not a free agent, as we talk about Bentley and Hightower and maybe a complete overhaul here? This is a guy I, would, I wouldn't I would be mad about him staying on the roster. However, That's uh, he's, he's a great interview, but I, if I was Bill Belichick, I he's would be— He's a great interview. I would that be, was your selling point? <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm just saying. I, I'm trying to—it's a compliment sandwich, Andy. You start with the compliment, you go to the negative, and then you get back to a compliment. So I'm okay. starting with the compliment in that he's a great interview. But if I'm Bill Belichick, I'm walking into Kyle or bringing Kyle Van Noy into my office and saying, "Hey, here's the deal, man. Uh, we need to make some more money to sign players or sign what whoever or what do whatever, have more flexibility. Uh, I need you to take a pay cut and say this is the amount I'm willing to pay you and make it way less than what he's making right now. Give him like a give him the veterans minimum basically, and be like, I understand if you can't do that, if you don't want to play here anymore, we're gonna have to move on. And that's how you do it. You leave it at that and you go from there. 
So looking at his um, his base salary for this year is four million dollars. He has a roster bonus, I think, of a million. So you could shave that base salary down to whatever his minimum is, around a million bucks. So you could save three million dollars, probably. Great uh, on his cap hit. What's the difference well, between three and four million? Not much. So I, I, sure. A million. Yeah, exactly. Which is not much in an NFL cap. So yeah, I, that's great. If I can save three million bucks and keep him on the roster, I'm in. I'll do right. that. Um, okay, so he's interesting. Kyle Van Oy. He's a great interview, according to Shime, which yep. overshadows his playing ability. Happy that he's I will a say, dad. I'm not sure how much leverage he has because he played the oh, I'm going to go play for the expatriate coach game down in Miami. They cut him. He comes back here. Now the Patriots looking to move on from him. Would he have much value elsewhere? I don't know. And he obviously likes it here more than anybody else. There's that little bit of a LeGarrette Blunt feel where it works better here than it did in Detroit or Miami for him on and off the field. So maybe he would be accepting of a potential uh, adjustment to his cap to stay as a, a leadership presence and a versatile presence. Speaking of leadership, so we debated Dante Hightower, value, leadership, losing a step. A little bit further back on the defense, Devin McCourty. I think you would have a similar debate. 34 years old. He was also involved in the infamous Jonathan Taylor play, or I'll think, although I think he got screwed by Hightower there. Yeah, a little bit. Um, he was more in position than Hightower was. So I still think he struggled. There were some uh, plays in the second Bills game where they were running some short passes and I think even a couple end arounds to Isaiah McKenzie. He ran by Devin McCourty like he was effing standing still. Yeah, and Devin McCourty should not be playing man coverage, though, either. Well, I mean, he's supposed to be fast. Is he capable of playing anymore or is he not? I think he is. I, so I you want to keep him? Yes, I would like to keep Devin McCourty. I so think we're he keeping plays... Hightower, we're keeping McCourty, and we're staying old. Uh, Woo! <laughs> I mean, it's just two guys that we're keeping that are old. The two oldest, slowest guys, maybe. No, I, I don't think they're... I think Devin McCourty has a lot of value as your center field. You're a softy as a GM. No, I'm oh, not. We'll just keep him. He's played a long time. I literally <laughs> said no thank you to Juwan Bentley, and Kyle Van Noy has to take a pay cut or he's gone too. Like, I don't understand where this softy stuff is coming from. I, I just... I, I think Devin McCourty has a lot of value. I think he plays a good center field free, uh, safety position, especially when you have, like I brought up, these hybrid other safeties that you can kind of swing around and they're better down in the box and, and working on those simulated blitzes so that you look like you're playing one high. Like I think when you are simulating a one high defense and then just all of a sudden drop into this crazy zone and only one of those guys is blitzing and you're getting pressure or none of those guys are blitzing and you're still somehow getting pressure, I think that's when this defense is at its best. It can be kind of amorphous in that way, and I think he is very good at playing that one amorphous? high safety position. Yeah, is that, isn't that that the word? I don't think so. I think that means love or something. No, that's amorous. So amorphous. Amorphous means oh, yeah, without, without a clearly, clearly defined, defined shape, shape or, or form. form. Yes, as I was right. too. Yeah, of course I did. I wanted to check my work. Interesting. Amorphous. Yeah. So there you go. I like it. Um, I it's a it's a touchy situation because we all know that you have a Patriots Hall of Famer in Devin McCourty. He may even get some love for the Pro Football Hall of Fame when it's all said and done. Um, leader, great guy, mean it, love him. I, I kind of feel like I want to move on from him in That's my fair. rebuilt secondary. Now I'm looking at him. Last year, he had a salary of $8 million and a cap hit of 16, oh no, no, 11.1. I don't like that. Um, huh. Because of the way his contract was structured, apparently he has a dead hit of $6.4 million this year. Yep. So you don't cut him, you just rework the contract. <laughs> well, no, he's, he's technically a, it's, he has like voidable years. So oh, okay. I gotcha. He's technically becoming a free agent. Um, but he's still on he, your cap. So he's on the book books for $6.4 million. So I'd be looking to do a multi-year deal if I'm keeping him to try to divvy that $6.4 million yes. up. I believe you could do that. Uh, but again, I'm going to be asking a guy who had an $8 million salary, just like Hightower, to take like a million. Yeah, if you could do it like two for... I don't know, two for seven, so that six gets split split up over two years or something like that, or even three. Like, I think you're in better shape. Yeah, I I think it's going to be a tough dance with both of those guys. I think the more likely guy to come back is probably McCourty over Hightower. Agreed. I think Hightower probably get a taste of retirement, and he's if probably they try done. to lowball him, he's like, Which you would know be what? nice for the Patriots, because then you don't even have to make that decision. Yeah, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. Um, 
But, you know, everybody, I think, says just, you know, the umbrella of the offseason, defense, younger, faster, more yeah. athletes. That's like the, the, the plan. And are you talking about doing that by getting rid of, and we talked about Slater is in that same mix. You could be moving away by, from three Patriots Hall of Famers who are captains, contributors, spokesmen. It will change the way you look on the field. It'll change the way you look off the field, in the locker room, at the podium, during interviews, because those are also guys that talk to the media every week. Not that that, you know, matters, quote-unquote, but in a place like New England, it kind of does. They put such an importance on who talks and what he says, and we only let captains talk. Well, you're losing three of your spokesmen right there if you walk uh, away from those guys. That would be a dramatic... Um, dramatic overhaul, quite frankly. Yeah, but I think this team needs a, a bit of an overhaul on defense. They just they need, need to get hatchet, more athletic. Not a scalpel. They need to get more athletic. We we both agree on that. They they yes. just need they need to get faster, better, stronger. It Do you think they they agree on that? I think they should. If Belichick well, is Bel- if Belichick is as good as we think he is at adapting to the times, this is the time where he needs to adapt and get faster. This is the way. It is the way. Um, okay, next on the list, uh, I think we will agree this guy is just gone. Uh, Jamie Collins, third tour through New England. Yeah, oh yeah, see, ya. I'm good. I don't need you anymore. I'm not. I'll go yeah. younger. I can find a. I can find another one of him in the sixth round of the draft. I'm good. Ouch, baby. Uh, Carl Davis, thirty year old backup defensive lineman. No thanks. Ha- have a good one. Appreciate you. And twenty uh, eight year old core special teamer Brandon King. Um, I'm good. I have. I guess Matthew Slater's coming back, right? He should be back. Justin oh, Bethel will be there. I don't know. Has that been reported? No, I have no idea. I'm just assuming. I don't know. I, special teamers, I don't really care. You're, you're not worth my time. Well, I'd like to say that, <laughs> except he was one of the special teamers that jumped off sides and gave a team points. Oh, so then I definitely team. don't want him on my team. See ya. If you're going to have core special teamers, they can't be making the kind of mistakes that they made last year. Nope. And I know that's only one, but it's one too many, as exactly. they would say. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm fine with moving on from Brandon King, Carl Davis, and Jamie Collins. So, Sounds like we have some debate on the older guys and slower guys. Hightower, McCourty, and Bentley at, at linebacker and safety. I think the Patriots will probably have some uh, difficult internal discussions. I did want to bring up something that just hit me in, rega- in regards to some of these internal discussions. Um, you probably didn't read this because it's sort of a niche piece on Patriots.com, NFL.com. Uh, Nancy Meyer, longtime uh, scouting administration person, um, has been around since the early 70s. From my personal experience, not only the nicest person maybe in the Patriots organization, maybe the most critical that no one knows about, does everything. Miss Nancy, as they call her, does absolutely. If, if you arrive at the Patriots, she's the first person you talk to. If you leave the Patriots, she's the last person you talk to. You need a house, she gets you a house. You need a car, she gets you. She you, scouts when they're going to workouts, pro days, she handles it. Everything goes through her which is a miraculous role in this day and age. Um, in her interview, I think it's all uh, National Women's Month this month or Correct. something. Yeah, so they were talking to her about her role and how it's evolved in females in the NFL. She had a note in there that I found interesting. And maybe this is dated. I don't. It doesn't say exactly when she did the interview. But she was talking about her mentors and the people she's worked with and how she spanned you know, Scott Pioli and Nick Casario, and it was interesting because Nick started as her assistant and then worked his way up to sort of being her boss, and she has a great relationship with him and all that. But she had a quote in there when talking about that. So she says, quote, I've worked with so many others, including Bobby Greer, Nick Casario, Scott Pioli, and now I'm back working somewhat with Matt Patricia. I found interesting because based on reports, Matt Patricia is going to be like the offensive line coach and the run game coordinator. And Nancy, who runs the scouting department, is saying she's working with Matt Patricia, who we all know signed contracts last Ugh. year and was in a scouting role. What is Matt Patricia doing? Like, is he I don't, I don't the know. future GM his, of the Patriots? His, Andy, his job is amorphous, not clearly defined. I don't really know. And, and you don't honestly, like him, do you? I don't. I really no, don't. You're hurtful. You're mean about him. It, you, you take you pot say, shots. Say, him. It's says, unfair. Says I'm a soft GM, soft GM. But when it comes to cutting coaching staff, Andy is all against me. <laughs> Well, I, I just I don't. I don't think he's good at his job. I, I I've laid this out multiple head times. Head coaching job, not good. How do you know he's good as an assistant? He was overrated as a defensive coordinator too. Maybe you're overrated as a producer. I am. That's true. I'm not going to disagree mean to with tell you. you. 
my friend, the front desk lady at the YMCA where yes. I work out, wanted me to make sure I told you she loves the rejoiners you use on the Greg Hill Show. I appreciate and it. I believe OAR is yes, part of it or something. very much so. I don't even know what OAR is. It is a so band I, called Of A Revolution. I have a boat. It has an oar. Yes, that is correct. Different. This same. is this is a, a this of a revolution. So it's an acronym. O A R. Do they sing anything or, or play anything that I know? Uh, they might. They, there's one song that you might know because it was on the radio a bunch called "Shattered." I'll have to play it for you the next time I see you. Okay, I look forward to that. Uh, but back to Matt Patricia. Um, so we fixate on Bill Belichick doing too many jobs, spread too many thin, uh, spread too thin. My theory that he, you know, instead of do your job, it's now do everybody's job is his slogan. Yep. Is Matt Patricia doing something similar? Is Matt Patricia holding a key role in the front office while also potentially holding a key role on the coaching staff? I hope not. That's <laughs> it's simple. I, like you said, you know that I don't care for Matt Patricia. My simple answer is I hope not. I don't want him. I don't want. I don't know why he's back. I don't want anything to do with this. Because he's guy. Bill's guy. Yeah, that's to find another guy. Find a better guy. Your the luster of Bill Belichick is wearing thin at this point, especially oh. for me. Oh, you buried uh, the lead. Yeah, you're because, done with Bill. No, I'm just. I think. I think other people aren't aren't respecting Bill the way he's always been. What is it? Lauded or lauded? I got yelled at lauded. this yesterday. Thank you. The way he's been lauded for years. Because you want to know what every guy, every young coach in the league doesn't want to work for Bill Belichick. They'd rather go work for Sean McVay or Kyle Shanahan or Matt Lafleur or Cliff Kingsbury or any of these other guys that are young, offensive minded coaches. Because that's how you get a new job in the NFL. Nowadays, I want to work for the the Sean McVay's, too, because if I go work for Bill in 10 years, he might let me move up to a vague role that somebody might have heard of. If I go work for McVay, I'm going to be a head coach in three years. Right. So but but that's my point. And and so Belichick is forced to bring back these retreads like Matt Patricia and Joe Judge and now move them to positions he needs help with because he can't do it all by himself. And it's just asking for a bad product. And so I just I'm I'm. My patience is wearing thin, and I hope that changes. Are you advocating for the Patriots to move on from Bill Belichick? No, I'm advocate. I'm advocating for Bill Belichick to, uh, I don't know, hire somebody that didn't get homegrown here because I don't know if he looked. His homegrown pipeline of talent is not very big at this point. It's his son, Gerard Mayo, who might become a head, hopefully will become a head coach next year, and then Nick Cayley, which we know nothing about outside of him being a pretty good Tight ends coach, from all accounts. Rising star. Yeah, I, I, you better hope so. You better friggin' hope so, because if not, this there there is it is a wasteland of coaching talent in New England. Uh, it's interesting, and we are starting to wrap up here, and we will play our getting to know Chris Scheim game at the end of this, but you bring up Mayo, and you mentioned earlier in your uh, interview with Kyle Van Oy, which well, I guess wasn't really your interview. Did you even ask him a question? No, 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 I did not. Do you get to ask questions? I do. Uh, and Gresham Keefe have made fun of me every single time for how I introduce myself to people. Wait, how do you I'm, introduce yourself? I just say, hi, I'm Chris Scheim. I'm replacing Ken Laird, and I'm just really nice about it and loud. And You really say that? Yeah, I said that. No offense, but I, wouldn't some of the guests say, who the F is Ken Laird? Well, because Ken used to everybody, it, all of the guests that I've introduced myself to knew who Ken was because Ken oh. was in charge of all this stuff. Ty Law, Mike Milbury... Uh, and Steve Peralt. Did I hear that you called Mike Milbury the wrong name? No, I called uh, Mike Milbury the right name. I called Greg Gresh one day, but that's—I will never uh, admit that in a court of law. Did he get mad? No, he didn't. I just—I immediately moved past it like a professional, Andy. Oh, I never do that. I fixate on it. Yeah, I corrected myself, moved past it, and 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 deny, deny, accuse. That's yeah, your exactly guy Ryan, what I do. your guy Ryan Garvin got mad at me the other day because um, somebody on, who who was on our sh- uh, I was on with the MFers and. W- might have been, I don't know. Somebody didn't finish the the phrase cocktail. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Just, so just said cock and moved on. Yep. And I was like, ah, you better finish that. Like, I giggled and we laughed and Fourier and I went back and forth a couple times. And Ryan's like, you know, I'd appreciate it if you didn't fix it. It's not a big deal when they don't finish the word. But then when we fixate it, it could be an FCC violation. He was very angry with me. <laughs> you producers, I mean, I don't know. Hey, just man, watching out for our own skin here. Okay, so back to Vanoy. So Vanoy said everybody knows who the knows who the boss is. Bill. Right? Yep. So this whole that that doesn't alleviate the confusion of the next in line is still split. We always know Bill's always the boss. He's the boss on offense and special teams and in the the executive boardroom at draft day. He's always the boss. Whatever room he's in, he's the boss. Who's next in line on defense? Vanoy didn't really answer that like the Mayo Steve Belichick dynamic, correct? Correct. So he avoided that. Yep. 
<laughs> the wily veteran that he is. That's hey. why he's allowed to talk. Exactly. He is a veteran. Because <laughs> that, to me, is what's interesting, is the fact that, um, is the fact that, like, there's still that layer on defense that people don't know about, and Bill's running the offense. So we really have no more answers than we did. We actually have more questions than we did. Always. Uh, it's always the case with the Patriots, Andy. You just end up with more questions. Okay, speaking of more questions, before we wrap this up, uh, getting to know Chris Scheim this week. Yes. We, we fixated on food and marital status last week. Yep, correct. Let's fixate now on, I don't know if I call him your new boss, but Greg Hill. Oh, okay. This feels is, like your boss. I, I immediately perked up. Yeah, I would say he's my boss. I mean, if he wants you gone, you're gone tomorrow. Yeah, it, and if he wants me to stay, Ken Laird has no say. So it's kinda, correct. That's kind of how it goes. So how is it working for him? Because he is a, I believe he said the other night, 36-year veteran yes. of the Odyssey, Intercom, whatever the permutations of the year were, radio family. Yep. Uh, seems like he's very um, set in his ways, knows what he wants and wants it. Yep. How have you found working for him? Uh, it's actually been a lot of fun. We've had a lot of fun. Uh, actually, a lot of laughs. Actually, so you thought it wouldn't be. Uh, no, I just, I thought there would be, so I'm not, you know me, I'm not a huge uh, politics guy. Sometimes that show gets into politics a little bit. Mm. Um, uh, but I think all of the conversations we've had have been very entertaining. I think uh, everything's been a lot of fun. Uh, and it's fun to needle him with my musical choices on rejoins because he enjoys a particular set of music. And I enjoy a lot of the same music, but then a lot of very different music. And so to bring some of that different music in is, is kind of fun to see how he reacts. And I think he's enjoying it. So uh, I think it's going quite, you know what, I'm going to say very well. I'm not going to say quite well. I'll, I will say it is going very well. Have you been chastised or gotten any uh, slaps on the wrists off air? Uh, no, not off air. None at all, actually. I've gotten nothing but... None off air, after... so you have on air. Oh, yeah, yeah. He chastised me for using Lenny Kravitz two days in a row. Uh, different songs, but two days in a row. Oh, I agree with him. <laughs> I love Lenny Kravitz. What are we doing here? Well, it's, I mean, Batman is this Friday. His daughter, Zoe Kravitz, is one of the stars of the movie. So now I'm getting stared at by Gresham Keefe. This is fun. Okay, so that's going to do it for another off-day podcast where we're getting to know the Patriots offseason and we're getting to know our new co-host, Chris Scheim, the producer of The Greg Hill Show on WEEI. J.C. Jackson suddenly is not a good corner anymore, so the Patriots are going to let him go <laughs> if you believe what you're hearing. And the Patriots at the Combine are talking to every wide receiver they can get their hands on, which, uh, no crap, that's what you're supposed to do at the Combine is collect as much information as possible, especially for positions where you might be looking to inject first or second round talent. I know you're excited about that. I'm excited about that. We're going to get more into that next week. I have a the... list for you next week. Oh, you have a list? You I have are a ready list. to go. Yes. Oh, look at you. Diving into the offseason and the prospects for the draft. For Chris Scheim, I am Andy Hart. That is another off-day podcast. If you like it, leave a review. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or the Odyssey app. Download that. It's the easiest way to get us. Peace out. See ya. You've been listening to the Off-Day Podcast with Andy Hart and Chris Scheim on WEEI.com and the Odyssey app.